0: Hello and welcome to I Found a Thing, the podcast where we look at Kickstarter for board games and related content and talk about it. My name is Evan Winch and joining me as always is Sean Moore. How's it going Sean? Hello, how's it going with you? It's going pretty good. There's a lot of exciting stuff coming up on the old Kickstarter docket this week and most of these I think have already gone north of $3 million Canadian.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It's weird. We do these things, and then a week later, I'm like, oh man, I'm glad we did a show that week because there's really nothing this week. Like in the off week. And then the next week, it's like, big game, big game, big game. You're like, whoa. (laughs) Okay, now we have too much stuff pace yourself guys <laughs> I wish
0: I could claim that was on really good planning on our part but I think we just kind of lucked <laughs> into it right uh, so one of those big games it hasn't quite hit the three million dollar threshold yet but it's done pretty well I think it's about four times its goal uh, at least in Canadian dollars is a little strategic deduction game called Hidden Leaders have you seen this one
1: I've seen a bunch of people play it. It looks interesting. I understood that it's a deduction game, but like how deep of a deduction game is it?
0: So I wouldn't say it's as deep of a deduction game as something like Veiled Fate is where Veiled Fate very much you are trying to hide who you are because the other players can really remove your points and put you in a bad position if they know what faction you represent. In this game... I don't necessarily think it's as important to stay hidden from what I've seen. With that said, there are a lot of cards that will get played that can affect you directly. Basically the idea behind Hidden Leaders is that the Emperor is dead. And now there are four factions all vying for power. And you will get a hidden leader assigned to you at the start of the game, which represents two factions. And you're trying to manipulate the little pawns on the board so that they align that your faction is going to win. And you're doing that by playing different hero cards down, which will move the little sliders left or right, so giving you more or less control in certain areas. And then those cards will also have other effects. So maybe it'll be like, move the red totem two to the right and then steal a card from another player. And the reason that you want to have a really good tableau of cards in front of you is because in the event of a tie, which is going to be pretty common in this game if you and I are both playing against each other and we both have an Empire Red leader and the game winds up going to Empire, then there has to be a tie break between us and that goes down to how many Empire heroes we actually have in our tableau.
1: Yeah, so I'm looking at the board, and I like the way they've done it, because we're f- vying over uh, the strongest faction. If you go too far to the left, you're in the blue faction, you go too far to the right, and if you're in the middle, then it depends on where the green and red markers are. And I think that's really interesting. It's kind of like trying to be 3D in a 2D space.
0: Yeah, 100%. Uh, The other cool thing is there are three separate piles of cards. So you have your draw pile, which is the harbor, which makes thematic sense. I mean, heroes are coming in by boat. You have the graveyard, which is where cards go when they get killed by other cards. And what's cool is there's an undead faction, which can kind of like take cards from that graveyard pile and then use them later. And then there's the conventional discard pile, which again, you can access because those are kind of seen as being rejected heroes that have been sent off into the wilderness and you kind of send out search parties to find them okay the other really cool thing about this game is the price point it is 20 euros which is roughly about 30 bucks Canadian and shipping is like 10 dollars Canadian so it is pretty cheap to get into your hands especially in a market right now as we will see in upcoming kickstarters that are like 60 70 80 dollars for the base pledge There's no fancy deluxified version of this. You can do more as far as pledges are concerned. The most expensive one is about $100 Canadian. But that just gets you four copies of the game. Nothing else special.
1: Yeah, the special things come from the stretch goals. So they haven't quite got all of theirs. Right now, the things that they're looking to get, they want to throw to a couple more hero cards. They're going to release some more goals. They have three weeks to go. So chances are they'll get all their... Goals.
0: and they do have linen finish already unlocked which is one of my favorite funding goals because linen finish just feels so nice on everything everything should have linen finishing
1: <laughs> so what is the linen finish on the meeples or the the cards
0: uh it is on the rules the card and the box so if you've oh. ever had a uh, wingspan has a linen finish but i don't think you've ever held a wingspan card physically
1: mm-hmm just digitally, with my dirty digital hands.
0: <laughs> it I, I don't know how to describe it. It's one of the thicker card finishes, and it also has a nice texture to it where it's almost like there is a corduroy pattern material on the card. I, I'm sure it's made out of something like linen, but I don't really know what mm-hmm. the um, technical idea is behind a linen finish. I just know it feels fantastic.
1: I was just thinking. I said linen uh, finished markers, something meeples. I'm like, I don't think that exists. Now I want it to exist. The next time someone does like an animal-based board game and they have little animal meeples, linen finish. That's what you need. <laughs> linen finish.
0: That's that's the stretch goal.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now this game is also on Tabletopia and Tabletop Simulator as well.
0: It is. I was actually just looking at the mod before we started recording. It's pretty decent. It's not scripted, but this game doesn't really need a lot of scripting. It's literally draw some cards, discard a card, play a card, draw back up, pass to the next person. It's not really something that needs a lot of scripting, so the work that they have put into it is nice. It looks good.
1: And it goes up to six players.
0: That's right. Two to six.
1: Okay. And they assume a 10-year-old can play this. So, hey, that's not too bad.
0: I'm pretty confident I could teach this in like five minutes, if that. I I could probably (laughs) do it in three.
1: Well, we were hinting at the Juggernauts this week. I'm going to touch on one that I just backed. This is Marvel United X-Men Edition. It was like... Easter weekend where uh, my household finally got uh, a hold of the initial Marvel United run which has like ridiculous amount of heroes and everything and you've played it a little bit on tabletop simulator what were your thoughts on that one
0: I think it's a really fun light game I wouldn't necessarily say it is a main course but I've enjoyed it every time we busted it out like there's not going to be a whole lot of thinking going on but there are enough little decisions that make it fun little brain tease
1: yeah, and I know every time we've done it, it's generally the, like, the base heroes or like some of the simplified heroes. There are different modes and versions that kick things up a notch. Like In the previous one, you had uh, the Sinister Six, so Spider-Man foes. All six of them coming at you at once. And then you have uh, the Infinity Gauntlet, which you have to defeat three different bosses. And if in that time you lose all the Infinity Zones, you lose. Thanos snaps his finger and you're done. So they do get more deeper. The mainstream release was the the base game and then there's going to be a spider-man expansion going to the mainstream but the other ones uh spice things up made it a little bit more at uh, chewy like a meaty meaty yeah like a meaty steak
0: i do find it's a game that really excels with the expansions because that is when you start to get into the weirder combos and more exciting heroes but also the weirder special powers for the heroes
1: yeah so essentially if you're not a big marvel fan i don't see you being interested in that but like feels like everyone's a Marvel fan. And rather than doing MCU stuff, this is all X-Men focused. And in the last one, one thing that I wish there was a little bit more was just like kind of niche heroes. Like you did have Howard the Duck in there and Mockingbird and... Spider-Ham. I mean, Spider-Ham's in a billion dollar movie. <laughs> I wouldn't call him too niche. But, like, you also had, like, instead of uh, Johnny Blaze as Ghost Rider, you had Robbie Reyes, who is, like, one of my favorite comic book characters, just out of the blue. And in this one, I feel like it's the reverse. Like, I wanted more nicheness, and everyone else wanted more, like, bigger heroes. And now it's reversed. So now it's, like, we have our main X-Men, but all the Kickstarter goals have been, like, super obscure characters. Like, do you remember X-Men The Last Stand, the third in the great trilogy of X-Men movies. They really just capped off that trilogy.
0: Who could forget?
1: Oh, well, do you remember all the minor characters in there? Like, Callisto. And then you'd also have someone like... Dazzler. Oh, okay, fun fact. Dazzler actually is in one of the new movies. It's like, you have characters like Magic from New Mutants, Warpath and Blink, and both of those characters were very minor in the uh, Days of Future Past. And then you got like stuff that's never been on the big screen such as phantom x which is kind of more of a obscure deadpool character wolf spain and then some of the enemies are just all over the place like arcade he's like a ringleader and not a criminal ringleader like an actual circus ringleader like just absolutely bizarre so i love the obscurity in all this and essentially if you haven't played marvel united you have six locations and you have a villain and the villain will go around attacking heroes or adding civilians into peril or thugs into locations and if there's too many of those then bad things happen and the idea is to kind of just mitigate those defeat enough thugs rescue enough civilians clear any threats and eventually if you do two out of three of them then you can start attacking the villain It's more of that. One of the criticisms from the first game is that it's only a four player game. This one changes things up. You can now play as the villain, which takes the game to uh, five players. Another criticism was like, you would have a character such as Venom. And if you back the original Kickstarter, you got Venom the hero, Venom the villain. But then there's some characters that are kind of like in between, like Black Cat, Elektra. Like they're not really heroes, but you want them in the game so they're just heroes for the sake of the game. Now we have anti-heroes.
0: Which I'm pretty excited about.
1: So you get cards that let them be the villain, and then you have cards that let them be the hero. And then I mentioned earlier, you can go five players. So now you can have the ability to take control of a villain. So you have four people against one villain. So if uh, certain conditions are met, bad things happen. But on the flip side, heroes get to have hero cards. So if things happen the right way, Well, good things happen if you're the heroes. And they said they're going to update it so that people from uh, those who backed the last game, all those villains that you quote-unquote can't play with, they're going to update the rulebook so you can convert them to being a villain that you can play with. Is
0: that going to include extra cards or is it just rule tweaks?
1: Rule tweaks. If someone's playing as the villain, it's not just random cards that are being drawn. It's now like I'm thinking about which cards in my hand to play that will really mess things up so that's kind of not in favor of the heroes so to balance it out they get uh, the heroes get extra moves
0: oh okay that makes sense
1: yeah so they just have to balance it so that the villains from the previous game aren't you know uh, giving away too many hero actions or not enough Uh, and eventually they're going to release that and then they've got a bunch of expansion packs for it The one that I'm very excited for is blue versus gold. So you know how I said you can go up to five players? Mm -hmm. You can now go up to seven players with this. Wow. So this is a max game. You'd have three players on one side, say the gold team, and then three on the other side, so blue team, and then you have one player playing as the villain. The idea is if you're on the hero side, like yellow or blue, uh, whoever does the most damage to a villain wins. You're kind of helping each other out, but you're not actually helping each other out because you want to win however if you're just kind of like well i don't want to do this because that'll make yellow's turn a lot easier you can like you know mess them over that way but if you do it too often then the villain wins and then all but one person is unhappy right uh the other expansion is uh first class and like i really like the nicheness It's very comic booky it's basically the first uh x-men so they all have their silly blue and yellow costumes It's just that they're reskins of characters that you're already going to get in the game. So, like, Jean Grey, Cyclops, Iceman, Angel, like, they're already in this uh, Kickstarter. So, this whole expansion is just kind of reskins, and the villains are Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. So, if you backed the previous Kickstarter, you already have those villains. So, it's just another character again i I don't mind that it's just like you were going so very heavy on the nicheness of uh, the unlock goals that when the expansions come out like hey we're gonna do a different variant of this same character it's like uh, it's a little less exciting
0: it's kind of like skins in a video game
1: a little like skins in a video game again it's very cool like and it's very like specific it's just more that like I would have liked them to go it another way, but yeah. I mean, at the end of this Kickstarter, I'm sure they're going to hit like 4 million and I'll have have all the stretch goals and I have all my silly characters that I want to see. The other quick nitpick is uh, if you are a previous backer, you can't just pledge for like all the new items. So all the stuff in the base game of Marvel United X-Men, uh, a lot of those components are already in Marvel United. So you're just getting more tokens and stuff. Mm and the blue versus gold expansions you can't buy them all together in one and you're going to get more duplicate tokens so the yellow and blue bases the extra bam tokens the tokens to do the three versus three like you're going to get that twice if you back this so i would have liked to see a version where it's like five dollars less and you didn't get excessive amount of pieces
0: in their defense it is a pain to have multiple skews like that because then you're generating very i understand
1: yes i understand
0: but i completely get where you're coming from where it's kind of penalizing you for already having stuff
1: (laughs) i would have liked to see in this kickstarter just being like okay here's 55 dollars for this version it when it goes to retail you're gonna have to buy them individually and you miss out on the exclusive character um, I know this time the expansions are a little uh, higher in price, but you're also getting either a character or two more than you did previously in the last Kickstarter.
0: The most important question, do you have the playmat?
1: I'm not doing that. Um, our table's not quite big enough for it, and right now we haven't seen a need for it. The playmat is cool. This time around, it's $10 more than the previous one, but it's double-sided.
0: I'll tell you that is the easiest way to separate me from my money is be like, hey, neoprene playmat, I don't know what it is about them, I just get really excited every time I see neoprene on playmats.
1: I, I like the idea, I just don't think it's as necessary. If, if we're getting neoprene playmats, I'm probably getting uh, our, our son <laughs> one first for <laughs> his uh, collection of cars before I get it for my board games.
0: That's fair. And speaking of your son's collection of cars, when was the last time you were on an airplane?
1: Oh my gosh. When was last time? That would have been
0: At least a year ago because it's been illegal to get on one since.
1: (laughs) Uh that was like three three lockdowns ago, four actual years and in COVID time, probably about seven years ago.
0: Well, you can live all the excitement of getting on a flight with the new Kickstarter for a game called Connecting Flights. This is a game all about setting up a tableau or I guess Almost a programming game. I want to call it a programming game. It's not really because you're kind of setting up these flight routes uh, and you're going to have to take into account the cost of gas, what type of clients you have on your plane, where the plane is going as you build out this row of cards in front of you. And then once you get your passengers from point A to point B safely, pay off your expenses, you get that sweet, sweet ticket revenue coming in to help you upgrade your different terminals. Uh, put more money into your planes or into your routes. So instead of having three stops on an economy flight, you can do a one-stop premium tour of Europe.
1: I'm looking through the Kickstarter now. I know there's a bit of a a business expansion to it. Is there a TSA expansion to it that just hinders the whole process (laughs) and just makes it impossible for you to get your passengers on a flight?
0: Your one client had a tube of toothpaste that was 0.5 millimeters over the limit. (laughs) So unfortunately, your entire airline is shut down. Uh, There are some expansions. One thing that I think is both funny and kind of concerning is that in the base game, there is a sabotage mechanic where you can sabotage other players' planes. I don't know if that's supposed to be an indication of what actually happens in the industry. I certainly hope not. I don't want Air Canada trying to take out my uh, WestJet flight, but that's besides the point. (laughs) Uh, So when you're stringing together those cards, basically there's four types of cards in the game. You have your airport, you have your plane, you have your passenger cards, and then you have your destination cards. So what you're going to be doing is trying to line all those up so that you are getting the maximum number of passengers on your plane that you can. Having that plane leave the correct airport to get your passengers to where, A, they want to go, but also make sure that they are going, if it's a three-star passenger card they want to go to a three-star airport so you got to make sure that they're going from like tokyo to sydney sort of thing and then make sure that you have enough gas paid for in advance before you actually take that flight and then you can string together different routes so maybe you have a three-stop flight and you're going to pick up passengers at some point on that stop get you more points toward the end of the game
1: and i noticed there's a so you've been talking about sabotaging there's actually a co-op mode as well
0: There is a co-op mode. So this is a two to five player game or a two player game where you're playing against the AI. I would say overall, I really like the idea of the game. I'm not sure if this would be something that I would go for just because the art's a little on the wonky side. It's kind of got, I don't know how to describe it. It feels kind of like a kid's book without feeling childish, if that makes any sense.
1: No, it does. It's like a a tween book, like a 10- to 14-year-old.
0: Yeah, it's got a bit of a YA feel to it, and there's nothing wrong with that, Like to each their own. Uh, I like the idea of having a train game, though, where there aren't actually trains, it's airplanes.
1: (laughs) 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 It's not like a ticket
0: to ride where you're laying track. There's literally no track. The routes are all predestined. You're just trying to do the most with the routes that you can, and I think that's a really cool idea for a board game. I'd like to see how this publisher kind of builds on the idea and how other people run with this idea down the road for other like spacefaring games and that sort of thing
1: yeah it's uh it seems pretty neat you're right the art style is a little off one thing that interests me is so so this is on kickstarter and since it's all about planes and going from locations to locations there's currently goals right now so they want to put this out in as many languages as possible however they need to see an audience for it if 50 backers are from specific locations then they'll do uh, a rule book in that language so right now france is pretty close to getting 50 backers so they'll get a rule book so is portugal so it, it's just mm-hmm. interesting like i've never seen uh, anyone do region specific unlock goals before
0: the other thing that they're doing which i thought was really cool and i kind of wish more games would do is they have a very expensive stretch goal. So you see this a lot on stuff like movies where it's, hey, get yourself a cameo in our film or CDs where it's like, hey, you can be featured on a vocal track. You could actually be in the game before it's sold out. So for the low cost of $435 Canadian, (laughs) you get the game, all the stretch goals, and... You send a picture into the development team. They do some sort of wonky process to it, I assume in Photoshop, to make your photo match the art style of the game. And all of a sudden, you're a character that wants to go from point A to point B. And another selling feature, which I always like to see, is you can play this game on TTS, which is a nice way to try it before you buy. Or back, I guess, in this case.
1: Yeah, both co-op and versus each other. So, speaking of... Co-op games and big games. The game that is taking over Kickstarter right now is Monster Hunter World, the board game.
0: I find it really funny that Rise just came out and we're talking about a board game for World.
1: Yeah, right. It's crazy. It's already made three and a half million dollars Canadian. Like Marvel United just hit the three million mark, but these guys have done this in less than it feels like two days. So there's definitely an audience for it. Um, it doesn't hurt that uh, the all-in goal, which, let's see, how many people have been on this? Yeah, 8,000 people have been on the all-in goal, which is $368 Canadian for it. <laughs> so
0: It's a chunky game.
1: It's a chonky game. Uh, and I won't go too much into detail about this, but essentially there's a Venn diagram out there of people who like Monster Hunter World, people who like board games, and if you mix them two together, you're probably going to like this. And when I look at video games turn either movies or toys or board games. I always think to myself, what would be more fun, to actually just play the video game or to do a different variant of it? So Monster Hunter World, the video game, is already a cooperative game and then this is offering a cooperative experience as a board game variant. And I think, well, like, what would be more fun for me? And I'm like, I'd probably more settle with the video game just because you got a lot of mechanics going on and I'd rather have the machine deal with it. And then you have some of the things that get hamstrung. Like, for example, in Monster Hunter World, you can spend 20 minutes battling a monster with your friends and all you need is that skull bone. You just need that skull bone. And he's defeated and you all rejoice. And then you go to the monster and you know what? Leg bones. And you're like, okay. And then you repeat that a couple more times. And it's like, it's very much a staple with monster hunter and maybe some of the new games you know they negate some of this but it's like it's something that monster hunter does and so does the board game too so it's stuff like you're limited to what the ip does normally and that i don't like seeing things get hampered and especially like in this we're like okay you can spend like half an hour on one monster roll and not get the thing you need and it's like well that's You know, that's a bit of a bummer. On the flip side, people who do play the video game, they said, well, like, well, Monster Hunter World, you know, you got terrains, you got rocks from the sky, and, you know, this game doesn't seem to have it. So it's like, it's it's really hard to cater to both people. And when I see something like Wolfenstein came out with a a board game last year, so did... uh, Darkest Dungeons and like I'm a little bit okay with that because you're taking single-player experiences and either making it a cooperative experience or you're going against each other and that's a little different but when you're taking a cooperative game put it into a board game like in my mind you're only hitting that certain person who likes both board games and uh, video games and you know what that's a lot of people because it's got 11,000 backers and has made a whole lot of money so...
0: Yeah, it's kind of difficult for me to comment because I've never really been a huge Monster Hunter guy. Uh, The grind Mm -hmm. of Monster Hunter has always kind of turned me off. And uh, from what I've read and what I've heard, the grind is present in this game, which is perfectly fine. Like, if you're playing a Monster Hunter game, you probably want some of that grind.
1: Absolutely. But
0: that does turn me off of it a little bit because if I'm going to play a campaign-style game, I'd like to at least feel like there's some progression there as opposed to feeling like man we just spent the last two hours much to your point working towards a goal and that goal was accomplished but not accomplished in the way that we wanted it to be
1: i mean that might happen a little bit i'm assuming it's not going to happen too too often but what i'm hearing is it's not a very good one-shot game. Like you don't just go into it, you know, chase the monster around for thirty minutes and be like, "All right, was that fun?" Like, because you would be getting resources and all these things that you just don't even use in your one-shot game.
0: You'd want to play something like Townfolk Tussle at that point, I think.
1: I always come down to: if you like Monster Hunter video games, you like board games, this is for you. But if you're kind of outside of that world. I don't think this is the monster cooperative game for you per se.
0: I'm going to lose all credibility with what I'm about to say. The overall modeling work on these monsters, I think, is really top notch. The overall look of them, I kind of prefer Primal.
1: Yeah, and uh, like Primal had these creatures of like bright, like reptiles, of bright, vibrant colors. And Monster Hunter comes from the age of like, okay, well, you know, I mean, it's a monster, so he camouflages. He doesn't, you know, it has to look natural. Yeah. So, everything's super mute. Characters aren't, you know, too, too lavish. This isn't like uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, where things get a little bit more vibrant and a little more uh, crazy with the hero's designs. They're just kind of a little bit more straightforward. Oh, I like the design of the creatures. It's just more like there's no flare to it. It's just like, this is Monster Hunter and they did the Monster Hunter thing and I can't fault them that.
0: Yeah, I I agree the monsters look cool. Like I don't want to make it sound like the monsters don't look cool. They absolutely do. I just think you hit the nail on the head with the lack Mm -hmm. of color. I mean, obviously these are minis that you can paint. It's just Mm -hmm. the player boards and everything is going to be going off of that more muted tone and that's completely fine. Like I don't expect everybody to like the sheer color explosion that was a lot of the monsters in Primal. Uh, I Mm -hmm. will say the little bit I do know about Monster Hunter, I have seen quite a few of these in some gameplay that I've watched before, and they've done a bang-up job of modeling these monsters after the game characters.
1: Um, So how do we transition to that into it's a (laughs) wonderful kingdom? Imagine a kingdom with no monsters. Some might say that would be wonderful.
0: I would say that's one problem with this show overall, is you kind of feel like you have to segue between everything, and you really don't. Like, you can just stop (laughs) talking and start talking about something else, but the segues (laughs) feel so juicy. Right? Yeah, Wonderful Kingdom. It's a spiritual sequel to It's a Wonderful World, which was kickstarted a couple years ago. I probably should have done the research on what year It's a Wonderful World came out. I feel like it was 2017. I think it's a little bit before then. And basically, It's a Wonderful Kingdom is going to enhance the two-player experience which by all accounts isn't great in it's a wonderful world by making it's a wonderful kingdom a two-player exclusive experience so it's a medieval setting with a bit of dark fantasy thrown in there just for kicks and giggles you don't really see that dark fantasy up front it's feels very much like it's just set in the 1500s until you delve a little bit deeper and then you start realizing that there's a lot of rats in this and then there's another card where a dude is literally fighting a dragon it really works I think you have this feel of it being fairly close to reality and then these little bits of fantasy get thrown in there which is kind of push it over the edge which I like the mechanic for this I also really think is cool so you are going to draw a hand of cards at the start of your turn you're going to draw seven different cards and these cards are going to tell you what different resources they can produce or what different buildings you can build with them and then there are two different areas on the table. You are then gonna take two cards from your hand and either put both into one area or one into each area. And you're also gonna draw a Calamity card. Then your opponent will choose one of those cards and like pull it into their area. So now they have a hand of seven cards and one Calamity and they are gonna place two cards out onto the field, either both into one area, one into each, However, the ones that you put out before that your opponent didn't grab, stay out there. So you're basically building up these piles of cards, which you're going to be pulling from, to build your hand for the actual round. And what's interesting is, each player has two tokens, which allow them to play a card in one of those areas face down. So, are you giving your opponent the Calamity card, which is going to cost them victory points? Are you putting a really good card face down to try to psych them out to think, oh man, they just put the Calamity out there, I don't want to take any cards from this pile, because if I do, I'm going to lose victory points, when really, it's an excellent card, and now on the next person's draw phase, they can just grab all those cards as well as the one they just put out. So there's a lot of maneuvering and mind games that you can play, And then when you actually get into play, you're either going to place these cards down and get the effects of them, or recycle the cards to get extra perks and kind of speed up your production and assembly.
1: Okay. I heard this is one to two players. So would you just be going up against the AI?
0: Yeah, it would be a uh, automata at that point. There are a couple of different modules you can get as well. So the base game is going to be 46 bucks Canadian, 30 euros. Uh, And then you can grab the equivalent of the all-in, which is $76 Canadian, which includes some upgrades to the base game as well as some modules, which are optional things that you can add in. Uh, They're going to add in stuff like menaces, which are giant rats and blight and that sort of thing, which is going to cause... You know more minus victory points if you can't deal with them. It's also going to add in advisors which gives you certain perks when you draw them and quests which are goals you can shoot toward.
1: No, this looks really cool. If I didn't have a bunch of one to two player games already on the go this might be something i dive into but the artwork is and I have this issue with a lot of colonial games it's like, like we just talked about Monster Hunter. It's a little too mute but this is very vibrant.
0: It is and it's got a really I don't even know how you'd describe it. It's not quite cell shaded it's like two steps before you would get to cell shading where Mm -hmm. everything isn't super super defined but it's defined enough that you know what's going on and it just kind of has a nice it's a very soft on the eye sort of look i also really like the box art for the deluxe version the uh, it's a wonderful kingdom legends it goes for a black and white with blue accents look and I love it when companies go black and white with one color as an accent.
1: Tech companies have been doing that for years and it works every time.
0: It does. It's just like, hey, Evan, do you, do you want this? Yeah, you know you do. Look at me. I'm black and white with a little bit of your favorite shade of blue.
1: So speaking of fantastic artwork, we have Canvas Reflections. Uh, we just played this one on tabletop, the base game, and I liked it. It's it's one of those simple, simple, simple games. but. What it asks you to do, like, it, it gets your mind going.
0: Canvas surprised me with the amount of strategy it presents for such a simple concept. I was kind of expecting it to be a lot more shallow than it actually was.
1: You either pick up a card on your turn or you assemble your cards so that they turn into a painting and every card you pick up is going to be translucent. So there might be a pair of sneakers on it and then the whole thing is completely see-through but then you mix it with another one with uh, an owl in the tree and suddenly you have an owl with sneakers and then you put it up against your canvas and now it's green meadow and then you mix it with a fox and then you end up with a a unique painting afterwards. Every card you pick up has like a color or two on it or has a symbol on it and then you score points based on uh, a scoring mechanism that says get two of one shape and three of another shape, you could have one that says get two triangles on one card, but no more, no less. And everyone plays by those rules. So there's not one of those like, oh, I wish I had your winning condition because I would have done so well. In the expansion, I don't know if you ever knew this, Evan, but if you look into a mirror, you know that's not actually how the world sees you?
0: What? I'm not ugly?
1: I didn't say that, but... (laughs) So this is all about reflections. So when you look at a reflection, it's always inversed. And in this, some of the the cards are going to be reversible. So if you were thinking, only if I could have those symbols on this side, would I get the perfect art piece? Well, now you can, and it, works really, really well, but it's also probably gonna hurt your head a little bit to do it too. Because not only are you trying to figure out which three cards have to be in what order, you also decide if you have to flip a couple to do it too.
0: When you were describing the mechanics of Reflections, after we played the base game, I was like, okay, I still have a bit of a headache from the base game. Please do not give me reversible cards yet.
1: (laughs) You know, it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, If you want to try it, you can even do the base game on tabletop or the uh, expansion as well. But it's a a super light game. The biggest gripe I've heard is the canvas actually is a sleeve. And so since you're constantly taking cards in and out, in and out all the time, especially with the cards that have a bit of a plastic film, sometimes it can really degrade sleeves like that. If you're wanting like a good opening game, to get your mind going to something a little deeper no this is totally it and uh you can get the expansion for 35 and if you want to go all in and get like both games it's just 60 or uh to get the deluxe missions of both uh it's just 80 dollars. so it's not too bad
0: that's a really good assessment that it's a good opener or a good closer i don't think i would want it to be a meat and potatoes game but as an opener it's a really nice way to just like you say get your brain revved up and I will also say they have done a phenomenal job of designing a box for an expansion that looks beautiful next to the original base game.
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, the whole idea is that if you put the two boxes together, it complements each other like it's the same art.
0: And you can hang them both on your wall, literally.
1: Oh, yeah. Man, I've, I like to tell myself I'm not a sucker for gimmicks, but that's a pretty good gimmick. <laughs>
0: It also solves the problem of, well, I'm running out of room on my shelf.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Put it on the wall. This is my board game room. Everything you see here is a board game. What about that art on the wall? (gasps) It's a board game.
0: And how great would it be to have a gamer, but more specifically a non-gamer over for a game night and be like, do you want to play a game about art? And they say, yes. And then you literally just pull a painting off your wall and say, (laughs) here it is. I feel like there's some good stuff out there right now. Like you said at the start of the show, you go from one week where it's going, man, I'm really glad we didn't have to find games this week to this week where it's going, which ones am I going (laughs) to (laughs) choose? Exactly. If uh, we did miss out on something that you would prefer that we had talked about, please be sure to let us know at ifoundathingpod at gmail.com. Or if you just have any questions in general, make sure to let us know sean any uh, final thoughts
1: i feel like if i had all the money in the world i would still run out of space for all the board games i want to get on kickstarter
0: i saw a thing on uh, the board gaming subreddit this week which was i have a limit of 100 games and he had all of them on one <laughs> shelf anyway until <laughs> next time this is i found a thing my name is evan i'm sean and happy gaming everyone